Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Here we go. All right, Training for Manhood, guys. Welcome back. We've got a special guest um, and a new friend, but uh, kind of an old friend for me because I've read a bunch of his books. I actually wrote down, um, out of all the books that he's written, I've read eight of them, and I know there's lots more um, than that, but uh, I continue to give out um, James Emery White's books uh, to so many different people because they have blessed my life uh, tremendously. So I'm, uh, I'm very glad that we actually have uh, Dr. White on with us. So welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Yes. Uh, we talk about just kind of training for manhood. And uh, as I kind of explained to you, uh, it was kind of a desire of mine to uh, help young, young men make the trans- transition from kind of boyhood to manhood and kind of what that looks like. Um, and so, uh, you know, just kind of having conversations that maybe a lot of young men don't have. Um, or wish they had kind of with a father figure or just an older man. And, uh, and you know, knowing you and, and looking at me, uh, we, we fit that profile pretty well. It's just those older guys who uh, maybe are a couple uh, laps around the track further uh, than these younger guys. Um, and just, you know, the, the concept is, is what kind of wisdom and advice would you want to pass on uh, to that 24-year-old young man to help him um, move forward in the progression? There's so many things that I think are working against our young men. Uh, and as you look at all the kind of indicators from a cultural standpoint, it seems like our girls are succeeding. Uh, our girls are doing more and our boys seem like they're being held back in so many different ways. So, Dr. White, what would you say to a young man in terms of um, what you see currently uh, and how to move forward in their life? Yeah, that's a broad, open ended question. There's so many <laughs> <It is>. answers <laughs> that, would, that would be important. I, you know, I think that the, the first thing that came to my mind was how important it is for young men at that age to get some older men in their life, even if it's yeah. just one who can serve as a mentor. I, I think that it's, you mentioned that so many haven't been fathered. Obviously they were fathered biologically, but they weren't fathered relationally or spiritually. So find somebody 10 years down the road or more who, uh, and, and, and begin a mentoring relationship. I don't know of any I'm, I'm assuming we're talking to fellow Christ followers here. And if we are, I don't know of any man who is a Christ follower, if approached by somebody who's, like you said, 24, 25 years old and said, hey, can I just buy you a coffee yeah. and have even 30, 40 minutes? I'll come with the questions. I won't, I won't waste your time. And I'll, I'll be, you know, directed, you know, just, just a coffee and, 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 you know, uh, and I don't know of anybody that's going to say no to that. Yeah. Um, and then if that goes well and there's chemistry, and then the person can say, look, could we do this every couple of months or something? Just even if it's just for a season, uh, you know, this season that I'm in right now, or and just find something that you can go to and ask questions about marriage or family or sex or or issues related to um, uh, if you're just I mean, at 24, you can be starting a young family and talk about all kinds of things, even with children. So uh, I know that I received my best mentoring about marriage and family before I had a marriage and family. Okay. And I think that um, just just being uh, just 
having a relationship with older men and seeing a lot of it wasn't even intentional mentoring. I just saw how they were. I'll tell you a story. I remember when I was in college, right after I became a Christian, I didn't become a Christian until I was 20. And there was a guy that worked with the campus Christian ministry that was instrumental in leading me to Christ. And I remember that uh, we were meeting in a cafeteria one day and we would get together once a week, just talk about scripture and books and spirituality and life. And I remember one day he just said, oh, I got to go. I got to leave a little early today. I said, oh, okay. And he said, yeah, I got to go home. I need to get home before my wife gets home, Julie. And I need to clean the bathtub. And I said, I, you're losing me. And he said, she hates to clean the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Today was the day that she was going to do it. So I wanted to get home early and clean it for her. Mm. Okay. I'm 60 years old. And I still have that story in me. Yeah. Where I was molded at a young age when I was 20 or 21 about. So that's how you know, a marriage can be. That's what servant leadership is like. That's what it means to, to love someone selflessly. That that's what it means for the two to become one. I mean, obviously not all that it means, but I had a glimpse of that. And so I think that you, you can be mentored just through a relationship that it doesn't even have to be intentional, but get those kind of men in your life who are walking with Christ and, um, and just see how they're doing life and ask questions. That's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, I've actually had the same thing. Um, I've got a spiritual dad down in Austin. And when uh, when my wife and I started dating, uh, they did our premarital counseling and he just invested so much into me. Uh, and a lot of it was just watching how he treated his wife, um, how he treated his girls, how he just, uh, you know, was very intentional about spiritual things. Um, but, you know, got to say some hard truths into my life as well. Uh, and then when I came up to Dallas, God just, you know, blessed me again and, and brought along a mentor that I, I really didn't want. <laughs> you ever have one of those, uh, a man that you're just like, you know, I don't think I can learn anything from him. And it's amazing how much you can just learn uh, from being around older guys uh, who are willing to be uh, open and vulnerable and honest with you and, and, and share some of life's things with you. So what else other than finding a mentor um, just for a, a young guy, um, as far as starting work, uh, how do you balance kind of that, that work uh, family life? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, well, the second thing that I think it comes to my mind is that when you're uh, and I don't mean this in a condescending way at all, but when you're 24, you're still figuring out certain life directional issues. Sure. You're still trying to figure out uh, what am I to do? What is my calling? What is God mm-hmm. wanting to do with me? In fact, I think that you might be feeling it at 24 more than almost any other age because you, there's a, there's a, uh, umbrella of grace that goes around you during high school and college, even though you're dealing with those things, you don't have to deal with them. Right. You Amen. can change your major 50 times. You can do all yep. these different kinds of things. Once you get out, you've got a couple of years. I mean, then it's like, it's real. I've, I've got to, I've got to make some directional choices here. And so I would suggest that you, you, you really go with who God made you to be in light of your giftings. Um, that, that so many times we try to figure it out with great specificity. We want clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's the one thing that God seldom gives. He doesn't often give clarity. He asks us to trust. There's a difference. Um, and when you follow your giftings, it kind of gives you the sense of true north all through life. Like at 24, I had, I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now, what I ended up giving my life for. I had no idea. In fact, I would have told you the last thing I would ever be would be a pastor. 
Mm. I had my life, I thought at the time I was in graduate school and I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm called academia. I want to be, I want to be a professor. And, um, and I did go on to get my master's and my PhD and I, did, I have had a foot in the academy all these years, but, but what I really knew was, uh, I, but I had no idea about the church or anything about, you know, becoming, um, investing myself in, in matters of culture and worldview and, and writing what I've done, starting ministries that I've done like church and culture and things of that nature. What I did know was where my giftings were and something of where my passions were. Right. And if you follow giftings and passions, that that's what will steer you and guide you. And that will be your true north forever. Um, because, and the specifics will, you know, leave those to God. And so just be true to your, your giftings. If you're a leader, lead. If, if it's a communication, communicate. If it's teaching, teach. Um, if your passion is um, reaching lost people or uh, understanding our world or investing in young men or whatever it is, you know, your gifts tell you what to do. Your passions tell you where. And then, you know, that that's that's a lot of guidance. And most people, though, make a very even very strong people strong in their faith make career decisions in a very worldly way. Yeah, well, I just had a conversation with a young man who got into two different law schools, uh, which I was, you know, proud of him for, you know, getting into the two different law schools. But they're very, they're very different. They're very uniquely different. And I asked him, well, which, you know, which one are you going to go to? Uh, and he said, well, what, what would your advice be? And I, I told him which one I thought, because um, of the kind of bent that I, I kind of saw his life going. And he said, well, I, I was really thinking of the other one. Um, and I said, why? And he said, well, um, I think I can make more money. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> I was like, my bad. I, you know, I, I kind of saw your direction up to this point as doing a particular thing. And I thought you kind of wanted to follow that. But if you want to make more money, you're right. The other law school would probably be a better avenue for that. And I think that's a that's a tough time. You're right in, in life to kind of, you know, to be 24 and look at the direction that you want to go in life. And there's such a pull towards, in, in a sense, what we think of success. Um, and I think a lot of guys kind of follow that path and they get so far done on it that, you know, they hit 50 and they turn around and they realize, yeah, I've been successful in one area of my life and that's financially, but I haven't been as successful in the things that I was really passionate about. Uh, what would yeah. you say to a guy who's yeah, older? I, and, and kind I, yeah, of on I that think path? that one of the, yeah, one of the things that um, I think older men can say to younger men and they wish they had had an older man say it to them when they were younger is that there's a big difference between success and significance. Okay. And we tend to be completely wired towards success. And we, we, we rarely graduate to significance. Yeah. But it's significance all along that we should really be pursuing, chasing. In other words, making a difference with this one and only life that we have and, and making it count. And, and, I, and I think that whenever, if, if there's a passion at all for someone to want to make a difference, I think that's what we need to cheer on in their lives. You chase that difference making because you only have this one and only life. And when it's all over, the only thing that's going to matter are the things that you've done for Jesus, the lives that you've changed, uh, the people that uh, have come to Christ through you, the, the you know, that that's all that's going to matter is, is, is what you did in those kinds of areas. Now you can do those kinds of things in any number of vocations. I'm not saying that this means everybody should be in vocational ministry. Right. I'm just right. saying that everything you do should be with a view of not so much money as it is significance. And if you do have money, if you do have success, then that should be leveraged toward 
making a difference. Yeah, I like that. I love that. What what kind of um, books, um, resources would you suggest for a young guy to kind of encourage him along that route? Um, one of the things I want to do is I want to um, help young men understand the importance of reading. Um, as you talked about just mentorship, having, you know, an older man in your life to kind of help you. Uh, sometimes they're hard to find. And sometimes, you know, it's, it, you may be, you know, in between. Um, but I've always found that books have been valuable for me because uh, they're older men who have written and, and shared thoughts. And so I can go and, and gra- grab yeah. them any time. Yeah. I, anything I, that I, comes to mind? Yeah, I'm a big believer in historical mentoring meaning read biographies of men whose lives uh, were, were well-lived. Yeah. Uh, I remember a very influential biography I read, and I retold the story in short in, in one of my books, was uh, simply titled Borden of Yale, uh, a man whose life died when he was about 24. Mm. But he lived the most full life I think may have ever been lived. I mean, and just, I, I, I like to read and did read, particularly at that age, um, biographies of, of lives where they really did pursue significance. They pursued making a difference. They, they pursued lives of integrity. And so whether it's about Jim Elliott or whether it's about Borden of Yale or whether it's about, um, you know, the, the, the life of um, Wesley or, or any number of these people, I mean, drink deeply from that well. Um, and, um, and read books that are important for spiritual formation as well. We tend to read books that are, um, you know, how, how to be a leader, how to do this, how to succeed, you know, whatever. And I find that the two best books that have served my life, I've been, you know, well-chosen, stirring biographies. Hmm. And then books that really helped me with going deep with spiritual formation. So for example, just the other day, I was talking with one of my two sons, both of them are pastors here. And um, I have four children and my, my two boys are, are pastors. And we were just talking about things and he comes to me very frequently and says, okay, I, can you give me two or three good books here, two or three good books there? And, um, and he said, okay, I, I really want something that's going to be really challenging for me spiritually. And so I actually recommended a Catholic author from this, from the uh, 16th, uh, 15th, uh, 16th century. Okay. And, um, and who is, who was uh, a spiritual mentor to C.S. Lewis historically. Okay, and if you can read those kinds of things and and kind of navigate the, the the medieval Catholic overtones to it, I mean, and I knew that was a gold mine in my life. It's a gold mine in life of C.S. Lewis, and mm. I now it's going to be a gold mine I know for my son's life. And so, I, I do think those two types of books are critical. Yeah, well, I just gave your book um, Serious Times uh, to a young man who's a junior uh, at the school that I work in, and he's already digested you know, 80 pages of it in two days. Well, it's uh, funny and, that you mentioned that book. I, I thank you for doing that. And I hope it is, uh, uh, serves him because it, what I, what I did there was with each different thing, there was mm-hmm. then a, bi- a biography yes. of someone, whether it's William Wilberforce or C.S. Lewis, or, you know, and just kind of, um, St. Patrick, just kind of, you know, helping people kind of make the tie of living a certain way and how people have done that. Yeah. Well, you did the same thing in the Traveler's Guide to the Kingdom, right? You kind of connected the biography with the geography and the theology, and you kind of that was one of my together. favorite so, books. That's it's one funny of my you mentioned that because that was read. a book written to mentor a young Christ follower. That was, really, that's what it was. I imagine if I was going to mentor yeah. someone, and and uh, and so I, I picked these places that are crucial to the Christian faith and what it brings to our life, and um, yeah, it was one of my favorite books. 
Yeah, I, I, I enjoy um, just referencing that. I love that just the idea that there's, um, you know, men and women very similar to us that have walked, right, the faith um, at a different place at a different time, right? But, have, you know, they, that was their journey and they got to pass on the baton. And in a sense, I kind of feel like, you know, I've received the baton from them and it's my job to pass it on to the next generation. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's just kind of that uh, great encouragement. Um, anything else that you'd just kind of share with uh, a young man, um, maybe in terms of like relationships, um, kind of a time to start uh, looking for relationships, right? With a, with a young lady, any kind of wisdom and advice in terms of what that might look like? don't compromise okay um it, it and and make sure that you don't ever date someone that you know you know biblically you should not marry yeah because what will happen is is that you can soon give your heart and then your your head's out of the game yeah great and, wisdom and so when people say, so who should I marry? What, what's God's mm. will for my life? Mm. Well, the God's will for your life is that you should marry, if you're a Christian, a fellow Christian. Yeah. And someone who is sincere in that faith and, and where the two really can be made one. Um, so, you know, if they're a Christian, you've pretty much got God's will for your life. So, you know, there's any number of women that you could meet, fall in love with, and God could bless. I don't think there's right. just one person out there that's got your name on it. But I do think that that first thing where you, you're talking about a Christian is crucial. So don't even date, don't, don't even date someone that you know, and don't, and don't get involved in this evangelistic dating where you, your goal is, well, <laughs> win them to Christ. And then yeah. again, it's just, it's just, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't play with that. Um, the, the, you'll have your biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is whether or not you're going to become a Christ follower. The second biggest decision you'll ever make is who you are. Yeah. And, uh, and both are lifelong commitments. Yeah. And so you really need to make sure that you don't play around with that. And, and, and two, a lot of people, you know, and don't go just simply by looks. I mean, yes, you want to be physically attracted to someone and, and that's normal and natural, but there's something about beauty that uh, you, you, um, that I would say, which is that, what you're looking for is someone that the more you get to know them and the more you spend time with them, the more attractive they become. Mm. And there's something about that inward beauty that radiates out where literally, and I think most, most people can attest to this. You see someone from a distance and they're just drop dead gorgeous. 10 minutes of conversation with them. They're not as pretty yeah. I mean, yeah. at all. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, know, you, you can still appreciate that they're physically attractive. They're not like what they were. And you yeah. can see someone else that maybe doesn't catch your eye that as much maybe, but you know, you start a conversation with them and an hour later, you don't even know where the time went. And you, they're just so winsome and compelling yeah. and attractive. And so you're looking for that inward beauty because you know, again, this is a lifelong thing. And, and we all, that's the most superficial thing of all in a relationship. And it's the first thing that we lose as we age. Yeah, and so you want to go much <laughs> deeper. Than that yeah, when the Bible says beauty, beauty is fleeting, right? It means yeah. that external beauty and yeah. But <laughs> right? I can honest, I can honestly say I can honestly say this isn't like contrived with me. My wife is more I'm more attracted to her, and she's more beautiful to me now, and than than ever. And we've been married forty years. That's amazing. And, that's and, awesome. And and that's and that's the truth. I mean, yeah. and, and 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 so that so you're looking for that kind of relationship. 
Yeah. I had a conversation with a young man and, uh, and I just simply asked, he'd been dating a girl for about six months. And I said, is she a believer? Uh, and his statement was, I don't know. Wow. And I went, wow. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, wow. that, was, that wasn't no, the answer that. I, was, I, was, I was expecting. I mean, either expecting a yes or a, or a no, but the, I don't know. I was like, how can you be uh, in a relationship with somebody for six months and not have something that is central to your life be part of a conversation where, oh. you know, I said, and I just told him, I said, it's not fair to her. Um, that you have not made that a central part of the conversation. I said, because you can't, you can't call yourself a Christian, be with somebody, you know, in a relationship for six months and and never, you know, talk about that. And so, it, you know, I think sometimes we, we're dishonest with ourselves, right? It's just kind of that concept of, uh, if I'm going to live out the Christian faith, I really, I really need to live it out, right? It needs to be, you know, for, foremost and forefront so that as other people come to me, they know what they're getting. And if somebody's going to be dating me uh, and I'm a Christian right? Kind of hidden, right? Well, that's not really fair because, you know, if that person no, marries you and you bring it out later. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which is, which would be worse. And again, I'm not trying to pile on, but to uh, date someone for six months and have no idea where they're at spiritually. Yeah. But also if I'm a Christ follower to be with someone six months and we've never had a spiritual conversation, never had a spiritual conversation uh, that, that, yep. that, that says that Christ is not at the center of that relationship at all. And, um, and that's, that's a, that's a disturbing thing. And that goes to my point. Yeah, it, you need the most important thing in a relationship is to is to be one in Christ, to share Christ. And it's it's the most important aspect of a marriage and of a relationship. And so that's that's, you know, the, the younger you can get that cemented on your soul, the better. Yep. What about just uh, relationship with with uh, other guys? We talked about having kind of an older mentor. We talked about relationship. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, somebody who's a female and what that would look like. Um, what about other guys? I know that sometimes when you get, you know, a group of, you know, four, five, six guys together, it seems like the lowest common denominator surfaces. Um, how do you, as a, as a young man, um, find people around you that are going to build you up, that are going to encourage you, that are going to call you out to be the best um, version of yourself you can be? I think that every person knows whether when they spend time with someone, are they the influencer or are they the influenced? Yeah. And if, and you need both, obviously Bible talks about iron against iron. Yep. Um, so one man sharpens another. So is, are you getting sharpened? I mean, do you really walk like, like the key question is this, when I spend time with someone, male, female, anyone, a person, um, do I walk away, uh, wanting to do more for Jesus and live better for him and love better and be better? Or do I walk away neutral or do I walk away a little less loving and, and generous? And you, you know, that you can, you can sense that you, you know, right. and even if you're very attracted to someone with chemistry, high likability, you also know how they influence you. So you want to look for the iron against iron relationships. Second thing I would say is, is that, when uh, for a young man, you can have, um, you know, an older man in your life. You can also have an older woman who can be a fantastic mentor. And that's not talked about much. Like, like, and even if it's just historical, like for me, uh, people who know me know that if I had to put one book, a biography in the hands of someone that has challenged my life more than any, and I go back and I read this probably every couple, three years. And every time I do, I'm just uh, um, I'm just so inspired again. And that's The Hiding Place by Corey Timber. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, now, Steve. So, so, and and this was an, an elderly woman who survived the concentration camps. Yep. And um, so, but I think every man is different in terms of what they need or what they even desire in terms of having other male relationships. I, there's, it's talked about a lot that you should have, you know, several good male friends in your life. Right. I think, that, quite frankly, I think that just depends on the guy. Yeah. Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? What, what, where are you at? And, um, and how are you best served and mentored and how are you best inspired and how are you best with spiritual formation? And, and which is why one of the things that I do whenever I'm working with someone, my first question is usually, how do you best learn? How do you like to learn? Do you like to read? Do you like to listen? Do you like an experiential immersion? Like how, how, how do you best learn? Right. And that often then applies to how someone is best mentored or discipled. Right. I love that. I love that. Well, Dr. White, I appreciate the time. I know you've got uh, plenty of things to do, but I appreciate uh, just you investing uh, into the lives uh, of other believers uh, through your writing, uh, through your pastoring, uh, and obviously uh, through your boys now, uh, continuing that on as you uh, pass the baton to the next generation. Uh, so uh, I will put some uh, show notes in there and links to some of the things that you've said and, and some of the books that uh, I've read uh, that I love of yours so other people uh, can experience that as well. And I just appreciate you carving out a, a few minutes for us today. Well, and I appreciate what you're doing, man. It's, it's remarkable. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.